And we are back and joined by Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. Good evening, Tom. How the heck are you? Oh, I'm well. Thank you, Arlene. Uh, You've got some great stories, and one of them is small business debt. You know, as we're starting to look at bigger picture across Canada of how we're going to get out of this thing, and we're in the middle of an election campaign, this just doesn't go away. And for many people, it didn't get enough attention. Now we're getting a clearer picture, $139 billion nationwide. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business uh, came up with that number yesterday, And we've heard little dribs and drabs. I know I've been on it. Other journalists have been on it because they're forgotten in a lot of ways, the business people hanging on by their fingernails. Tom, it looks, according to these latest numbers, that they're not hanging on by their fingernails. Perhaps they're circling the drain. It really is stark, isn't it? And these are the most reliable figures uh, we've ever seen based on pretty scientific methodology in the surveys of thousands and thousands of business operators right across the country by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. And their data are just dreadful. Their figures show in the hospitality industry hardest hit. The average debts owed by operators are a third of a million dollars each, over $333,000 each. And that's a hole that it is almost impossible to crawl out of. There was testimony in Commons Committees, Arlene, very heartfelt testimony Mm -hmm. from business owners who said, when the government took my business away, when they shut it down, they locked it down over and over in some cases. You know, I mean, there's a storekeeper says, it will take my wife and I seven years to pay the debts we owe. Why does this matter? Well, we're a nation of shopkeepers, and proudly so. The vast majority of Canadians work for small businesses, and some of them very small. We're talking two employees, that's a couple, the kids working in the kitchen, mother does the books, and uh, net revenue of under 100000 a year. You, you, you can't get any smaller. This, this is the economy. So when you hear people say, as I'm sorry to say the finance minister remarked today, the economy is going to come roaring back. No, no, it will not. There are hundreds of thousands of these people who are just barely above water. It's true. And it has been a terrible story as we watch it. As you say, you know, their businesses were shut down. And when you really think about it and walk in their shoes for a minute, one day, and we know them. Everybody knows people. We were. I can. I can envision in my mind now two or three faces, and they had it all. They'd worked really hard at this business, and then they woke up after that trifecta of a night where COVID got really real. Everything changed through no fault of their own. No, and they just disappeared in the night. I mean, there weren't even receivers auctions, mm-hmm. right? The, the plywood windows speak for themselves. Uh, and, and everyone has experienced that in walking in the main street of their hometown. And the, even if there weren't debts, even if th- there was recovery tomorrow, and no one thinks that will happen, the long-term effects of this will be dreadful. Anyone who is in small business or has lived it or knows someone who is, forget about financing. What, what bank will lend a penny to a small business operator in future years, knowing that in case there's another coronavirus from rural China, you can be shut down for six weeks? I mean, the, the, the effects are terrible. 
Uh, never mind what their foundation has gone to. A lot of them had mortgaged their homes and they just got through their RSP accounts and they took lines of credit. I mean, they're leveraged in so many ways. Yeah, the CFIB, this is this is just bleak. The CFIB finds uh, business operators who are so hard up against the wall. They are using personal credit cards to uh, finance the debts they owe, the overhead they have, the bills they cannot pay. And uh, anyone who's been there, you th- that's right up against the wall. It's absolutely dreadful. You know, uh, there were small business uh, people who said one of the great eye openers of this pandemic was learning how little know-how there was about small business, not in the government caucus. There's lots of small business people in the Liberal caucus, in the Liberal cabinet. It was a, it was a concept to them. They didn't get it. And the fallout has been just dreadful. And it, it won't be over. Uh, we have another audit, and they're always interesting stories. This one tells us that Indigenous Services Minister Mark Miller's department spent billions on those new water plants, but they did not know that First Nations had properly trained managers to run those plants, and so they were not run properly. Here we here we have this story from a couple of years ago. We're just finding out now the degree of, shall we say, uh, without a plan, or could we say incompetence? Uh, I, I think you can say incompetence and also a compulsion to spend money uh, and misspend money foolishly. In this case, literally billions of dollars have gone out the door for brand new shiny water plants on First Nations. But the department wouldn't spend $45,000 to hire a manager to run them. And that's why there's all these boiled water advisories that Cabinet is unable to meet. It failed in its stated purpose to eliminate all those by this past March 31st. You know, there was another audit in Miller's department uh, in July, and uh, it was remarkably similar. In this case, it was funding for First Nations schools. Mm-hmm. This is not about First Nations people. and This is not about First Nations kids. They find First Nations kids who go to ordinary public schools, like a lot of other people, do fine. The dropout rate in my home province, I'm from Manitoba, Ireland, mm-hmm. it's a poor province. I, I went to school in a trailer in the bush. I think I, I, I have some experience with this. Yeah. The dropout rate in First Nations schools in Manitoba, is 85%. Now, that's like something out of Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And yet, the funding, the charge to taxpayers per capita, per student, is up to $14,000 a year. $14,000 buys you a first-rate private school elementary education. Mm -hmm. So why not just privatize it? How could the private sector do any worse than Minister Miller's department. It's almost inconceivable. A a very, very good point. Let's turn to Afghanistan. And we had that, I mean, yesterday, they came up with a number, 1,250 Canadian citizens and residents trapped in Afghanistan. That came from Mark Garneau yesterday. And then, you know, they, they were offering advice, saying they were doing everything they can, but... Those people should stay put because it's not very safe. And then we heard this kind of 
unsure, really opaque statement that they're trying very hard to get the Taliban to allow people to leave safely. So, I mean, I was appalled when this happened yesterday. I really was, because it was one of those government statements, and I've never really seen anything like it with this kind of a consequence, that that was a whole bunch of words. But when you really looked at the words, we were leaving people there, and we were basically saying, stay where you are, we'll do what we can, and yeah, you're in a really dangerous situation. Uh, so dangerous, the uh, Department of Foreign Affairs and its travel advisory says, uh, if you are a Canadian in Afghanistan, you face murder, street crime, kidnapping, terrorist, bombing, uh, you name it. That's how unsafe it is. So when they say uh, stay in place, they're saying go into hiding. Uh, these are our people, Arlene. They are Canadian citizens like you and I. They wanted to get out and they couldn't because the embassy closed early and and all the Canadian helpers left early. The ambassador was among the first to leave, still waiting for his testimony. It's a uh, disaster. One thing to watch for, Arlene, I'm not Kreskin. I can't predict the future. When Cabinet says we might want to get those, we're going to talk to the to the Taliban, try to get those uh, 1,250 Canadians out of Afghanistan, uh, watch for ransom. There is the only way you're getting those people out business. of that country. That's how they do That's it. How they do business. You are going to finance terrorists because you didn't have an emergency plan to get those people out in the first place. How bad is this, Arlene? This is generational. Some of us recall the fall of Saigon. And we were curious. We looked up the records. How many Canadians were left in South Vietnam when Saigon fell to the communists in 1975. You know how many it was? 41. And they all stayed there by choice. Half of them were reporters and half of them were priests who devoted their lives to uh, the South Vietnamese and they didn't want to leave. 41. In Kabul, we left over 1,000. This story is a disgrace that we learn more and more and more about. And as you have, I've talked, will have effect on the election campaign, whatever. It's got an effect on the Canadian psyche. Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. Tom, have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you, Arlene. I'm Arlene Bynum. This is On Point, Global News Radio.